Welcome to Western New York Catholic Weekly, a production of the Office of Communications for the Catholic Diocese of Buffalo. As we move into the month of June, if you are a regular follower of this program, and by the way, thank you because I do see that there are folks who, uh, particularly with the podcast, download the show every week. So I, I'm glad you enjoy it, and uh, you know, be sure to tell your friends about that. And that's actually kind of a good way to start this show today because as June rolls around, um, next weekend in the Diocese of Buffalo is Communication Weekend, and that is in addition to giving us an opportunity to kind of, uh, uh, you know, maybe tout all the good works that we do down here in our Office of Communications for the Diocese. Um, it's an opportunity to thank you for your support and to ask for it again next weekend in your parish for the annual Catholic Communication Campaign Collection. Uh, now, uh, you're, uh, you're probably aware by now that uh, we... You may have read it already in last month's Western New York Catholic or the Western New York Catholic News Magazine, or seen it on wnycatholic.org. Um, every year, we have an honorary chairperson for the Catholic Communication Campaign, and this year, we are very pleased uh, to have invited Father James Vaco, who uh, Franciscan, who some of you may know if you're in our Southern Tier region from Saint Bonaventure. In fact, he is the pastor of Saint Bonaventure Parish in Allegheny and wears a number of other hats, and we'll talk about a lot of those as we go on in the show. In fact, we can probably spend the whole show talking about those. Uh, Father Jim, welcome to the program. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, for, Greg. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, now, we don't have a lot of um, order priests, Franciscans, Jesuits, etc., that are pastors in our diocese, yourself. Um, uh, people are familiar with the Franciscans out in Athel Springs and the Jesuits downtown at at St. Michael's. So a little bit different that we, you know, uh, not a diocesan priest as a pastor of a parish. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's different, but it's not different. Right. I mean, we have the same type of role as any priest would have as pastor of the parish, you know, overlooking just the spiritual well-being of the parish, uh, you know, the finances, you know, conducting the different meetings, you know, parish council, upon this rock, whatever it might be. Uh, so in many ways, it's not so much the role of the pastor as much as the spirituality that the religious order brings to the particular ministry. So, you know, with the Franciscan, you know, approach, it's kind of like a, a down-to-earth, uh, folksy type of approach. Uh, you know, Francis was a very folksy, common person. And uh, he found God in the, the common elements of life, you know, creation, you know, and just interpersonal communication and interpersonal dialogue. And, uh, he emphasized that a lot. Um, so I think to, if you were to compare, you know, a Franciscan parish uh, to or Franciscan ministry, uh, the emphasis would be on personal attention, uh, looking for God in the imminent. You know, again, Francis was very incarnational in his spirituality, as well as drawing all that together as gift and being thankful, even for the, the difficulties. You know, when you look at Francis's Canticle of Creation, uh, he praises the Lord even for those who are in conflict because now we have something to work on to bring us an example of reconciliation. You know, so uh, the Franciscan approach is not so much intellectual. Uh, it's more grounded in human experience. Uh, well, yes, that's very true. Um, yet, of course, uh, particularly your little branch of Franciscans are certainly known for their intellectual work at uh, St. Bonaventure 
University. Care to talk about that a little bit? Sure. You know, I, at Bonaventure, uh, I've been assigned there since 1999. And up until six years ago, I was teaching full-time yeah. in the core curriculum. I was teaching two courses, one called Catholic Franciscan Heritage and the other one called A Religious Text of the Western World, which is basically introduction of the Bible. Uh, and then we would cover a little bit of the Qur'an and relate how the, the Bible and the Qur'an have differences and commonalities. Um, so I was doing that uh, up until six years ago. Uh, then when I was asked to become pastor of the parish, um, you know, I went to part-time teaching and then as well as teaching at Christ the King Seminary, the, the liturgical practicum and homiletics. So uh, now recently because of uh, personal health issues, uh, I've had to back down on a couple of those things. So I'm more or less concentrating on the parish and teaching the one course at the seminary. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's really what I'm getting at. I mean you, you have kind of worn a lot of hats since your time in Buffalo. Are you a Buffalo boy? I am originally? from Eden. I yeah. grew up in Eden. My father yeah. was a fruit and vegetable farmer. Uh, now, it doesn't always happen, although it, uh, um, it seems to be a little more with the Franciscans that a lot of the uh, Franciscan priest sisters end up back in the hometown, but not necessarily. Not right? necessarily. When you, go, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it all depends on the nature of what kind of ministry you want to go into. It just so happens that here in Western New York, uh, you know, we used to staff time in high school. That's where I started out. Uh, my career uh, after I was ordained a priest was at time in high school. Then I went to St. Bonaventure Parish to be the associate for seven years. Then I went to New Jersey to be a pastor for three years. And then because of family circumstances, I had to get back to the area here. So I was at Fredonia State as the Newman Center director right. uh, and spent four years there. And then after after that, went to the university where you know I've been really in residence ever since, you know, 1999. Uh, tell us a little bit about how uh, – why you chose the Franciscans. I always like to ask and, and particularly um, – uh, maybe even more so with the with the priests and especially the order priests because um, time to time Father Andrew Laricella, who's our vocation director, will be mm -hmm. on and we'll talk about you know vocations in the diocese and and how are things going. But um, when we start talking about orders, and you've already hinted at at this a little bit, a lot of different charisms, a lot of different ministries and focuses. Um, uh, so how did you come about your choice and your vocation? I would say that it happened during my junior year in college. I went to Bonaventure. So uh, uh, at Bonaventure, you know, I was basically studying to go on to be a guidance counselor. That was my ultimate goal. But during my junior year, I started to you know, look at the, the life of the friars. I mean, my, my family was a very religious family, so we were always involved in the local parish church and different things. Um, but at Bonaventure, I started to look at the lifestyle of the friars and their personal involvement with the student body, their down-to-earthness. You know, again, you're talking about the mid-'70s, so it was the whole era of everything is being novel and new and experimental and all this type of stuff. So uh, – and a lot of the uh, clergy that I knew were a little bit more traditional, conservative, not that progressive. And I saw the friars – you know, maybe at the time being a naive college student, you know, being, you know, up-to-date and modern. Uh, but now I realize that it wasn't so much up-to-date and modern because everyone was kind of caught into that, you know, frame of mind and work. Um, but it was more or less 
they, they incarnated a, a spirituality that was very appreciative of things that are around them, nature, other people, attentiveness. They, you know, they would say, oh, this one or that one, you know, uh, might be on the, the edge of saying we want to hit them, <laughs> you know, type of thing. Uh, but um, there always was a sense of respect. And I think that's what kind of like drew me to say, you know, there's a spirituality in my own life that's very appreciative and incarnate. And I saw that radiant uh, in the life of the friars at Bonaventure. And I have to say that's what basically drew me to say, you know, I'm going to try the life. And at first, I know my parents were not too thrilled with the idea. Really? Interesting. Yeah, well, I, there's, there's a number of stories I can tell you. <laughs> uh, but the, 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 I knew that it was okay, at least on their part, uh, when I took my first vows. And the first one out of the chapel was my father crying and hugging all my classmates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, it's interesting with that because um, – you tend to hear, as a general rule, I mean, I'm, I'm overgeneralizing here, but you know, when we talk about vocation stories, um, you hear two things: either the family uh, is the driving factor. Oh, we've always wanted a priest in the family. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we always hoped he would become a priest. That kind of thing. Or it's it's somewhere else um, where there is a very personal invitation. Someone says to someone like yourself, or it happened to me as well, it was a, it was a priest in my, in my own parish, said, hey, did you ever think about the priesthood? You know? And I'm always kind of amazed when, when someone like yourself, you know, comes in and, and says, eh, my family wasn't too thrilled about the whole thing. You know? Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, in my case, it wasn't so much someone asked, you know, you ever thought about this? It was just my observing, I'm making the yeah. judge saying, you know, I got some questions about the lifestyle and, you know, do you think I can do it? And, uh, um, you know, they said, hey, the only way to find out is come and try. Uh, that You know, that says a lot about the, the very things you were saying about the Franciscans and their kind of outlook and, a, and approach. Of course, the, the famous quote attributed to St. Francis, preach always and if necessary, use words, yeah. right? That's really a, a pretty good testimony to – it's to great. that very thing, in turn, you saw that around you mm-hmm. and said, "This I can get behind this." Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it, it, that phrase definitely has the the Franciscan spirit. <laughs> Francis never said, <laughs> "Yeah, right, exactly." Yeah, I know. We all yes, yes. That's why I say attribute it. But it <laughs> yeah, that's right. It, it really is that you know, but that really is kind of the uh, if we want to put it in a more secular, the lifestyle of a mm-hmm. Franciscan, though. It's an example. In yeah. fact, that's what. You know, that if you look into the the rule of St. Francis, he speaks about the friars going into basically what we would say Muslim territory and not trying to convert them, just living among them. You know, so again, more or less, let your example be the word you speak. Uh, Let, you know, don't try to be in competition, be in relationship and let that be how God works his message. And you learn from each other. In fact, you know, the uh, some recent studies have come out that uh, one of the writings of St. Francis called The Praises uh, seemed to have been influenced by his visit to uh, the Sultan of Egypt during the uh, Fourth or Fifth Crusade, I forget which one, uh, where Francis was arrested by the Muslim forces, but somehow 
the sultan took a, a liking to him. And so there was this interaction and dialogue. And Francis comes back with that with a very different sentiment about our Muslim sisters and brothers. And uh, in fact, the, the praises of God, if you compare Francis's praises of God with the uh, 99 holy names of God in the Quran, they're very, very similar. Uh, yeah, Francis, uh, he, an interesting guy, you mm-hmm. know. Oh, definitely. Um, interesting history, interesting life, and uh, certainly born into, um, you know, an interesting uh, history through the Franciscan order. And, you know, you were talking or asked earlier about the, you know, intellectual tradition. You know, the Franciscans uh, do have an intellectual tradition subs- founded on Bonaventure, yeah. on Alexander of Hales, on John Don Scotus. So there's a, a number of uh, uh, medieval as well as modern Franciscan scholars um, that add to uh, a Franciscan you know, perspective in theology uh, that, again, is much more incarnational and yeah that moves from the incarnational to the transcendent. In fact, Bonaventure's journey of the mind into God, uh, the itinerarium. You know, you, you see this whole process. I mean, you can get caught up into the medieval, you know, uh, language and imagery and kind of go scratching your head. I, mean, I can tell you a number of students when we have that course at Bonaventure, you know, kind of say, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. uh, but if you take your time and then pr- try to reapply it in contemporary terms, oh, okay, it's an experience that we discover God. It's an experience that we can move beyond the experience and then back into the experience with a different perspective, different vision, a different way of handling. We're going to take a short break here on Western New York Catholic Weekly. And when we come back, I I want to talk a little bit about how that's kind of played out through your life and ministry and the various uh, things that, that you've done and are, are doing now. Uh, Father Jim Vacco is our guest. He is the pastor of St. Allegheny or St. Bonaventure in Allegheny uh, and also an adjunct faculty member at Christ the King Seminary. Uh, Father uh, Joe will be very happy that I mention Christ the King as often as possible, of course, <laughs> on the program too. Uh, it is a communication weekend next weekend in the Diocese of Buffalo. It's our opportunity to say thank you to you for your support uh, of the Catholic Communication Campaign and kind of talk a little bit about our ministries, one of those being this very radio program. We'll be right back. With all the voices around us, how do we tune in the most important voice? The voice of truth, of comfort and compassion, the voice of peace. Hi, I'm Father Jim Vacco for the Catholic Communication Campaign. You can help make that voice stand out through programs like Our Daily Bread and the Daybreak TV YouTube channel, through radio programs and podcasts in the Western New York Catholic and online with Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Support the Catholic Communication Campaign in your parish June 9th and 10th. Thank you. Make your voice heard. Join the Catholic Action Network and speak out in support of the poor and vulnerable, the sick and elderly, the unborn, families and children. Sign up online at nyscatholic.org and click on Join the Network. That's nyscatholic.org. And visit the New York State Catholic Conference's Legislative Action Center. Read alerts on important legislative issues and email your state representative. Stay informed and strengthen the Catholic voice in New York. You'll find it all at nyscatholic.org. That's nyscatholic.org. 
I'm Greg Prince. Thanks for joining us on Western New York Catholic Weekly. Uh, joining us today is our honorary chairperson for this year's Catholic Communication Campaign, Father Jim Vacco. And uh, we were talking a little bit about uh, uh, really kind of the, the Franciscan um, – uh, we could put it anyway, charism, lifestyle, uh, kind of just what Franciscans are all about kind of in the first part of the program. And, uh, you know, I, I I should let people know in case they, they haven't put the, the pieces together themselves. You've kind of had a long connection through our office, mostly through Daybreak TV productions. You've done the, the televised masses here before you've done the uh, the the reflections you know for the for the USCCB um have they have they tapped you to do I just can't remember if they tapped you to do one of the what's going on segments or whatever that air on YouTube have you done any no, of those No I haven't done one of yeah. those yet I All know right. uh, after we're done here with the interview I have two tapings to do for the USCCB and uh some other you know tapings too for the communication campaign um uh, so yeah they keep me busy uh, <laughs> I'm one of those people that uh uh doesn't mind being busy and doing various things. I mean, when I was uh, teaching at Timon as well as being at Fredonia or uh, uh, even at Bonaventure before I became pastor, and one of the things I used to do is I used to get around and help fill in around the diocese uh, for when priests would get sick or they needed help or whatever. So I got around the the diocese pretty much and uh, the diocese would call upon me many times to, can you go over to such and such a place or can you spend, you know, like three months going to such and such a place or whatever it might be? So I used to get around. Um, and that was, I enjoyed that type of being um, itinerant, you know, uh, around the diocese. Uh, yeah, and, you know, you have a um, – that puts you in contact with a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. You, you, as you mentioned, you've been in a lot of parishes. You've worked on a – uh, you know, a, a secular campus at Fredonia. Uh, been with uh, Bonaventure with at the you know at the Franciscan uh, University there at, at uh, Saint Bonaventure at Christ the King Seminary now with uh, men in formation and uh, deacons and then the people uh, men and women who are studying for just further degrees in ministry or whatever the case may be or further degrees in religious studies. It's a different world than the one you told us about through the 70s when you were, you know, first considering your vocation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's one of the things we talk about, you know, every year at this time in our office. In many ways, harder to reach people. There's so much noise and so many voices. It's no secret that – and you mentioned you, you go from parish to parish. There aren't as many full pews as there were in the past in an area like Buffalo where we're so strongly and really still remain to be so strongly Catholic. Um, uh, so there's some different challenges out there, aren't there? Oh, there is. There is. You know, when I think about when I first started to work with college students back in 95 when I went to Fredonia, you, know, you look at college students back in 95 and you look at college students now, I mean, it's a generation, uh, age difference. You know, but much different, um, you know. And uh, the, part of the issue too is the the older a person gets, it becomes even more difficult to understand a lot of the trans. You can see the transitions, you can see the changes, but sometimes it's really hard to differentiate. Why can't they think or see differently? Yeah. But the way that they've been trained, conditioned, whatever term you want to use, uh, is much different. You know, uh, I mean, the. What, what what gets me sometimes is that you go to a restaurant, for instance, 
And I look around at the other tables, and it's amazing how many people are down looking at their cell phones or on their tablet. There are other people at the table, but they're on their tablets or their cell phones. Uh, or it's like even it's – I remember that one day when I was teaching full-time at Bonaventure, my classroom was on the third floor. And I usually wanted to get there before the change of classes so I could avoid the traffic. One day, it didn't happen. So I'm kind of stuck with everyone coming out at once, right? And I'm going up the steps, and there's a student in front of me. There's a student behind me, and they're both on their phones. And I'm thinking, you know, if I didn't know better, I would say this one is talking to the one behind me. And they were. And there's only one step. Oh, my gosh. There's only one step differential. I'm in the middle. <laughs> now, the one couldn't wait until I got out of the way or whatever it might be. But they were talking to each other on the phone. I'm thinking, what is going on here? And then, you know, even walking around campus, so you walk, you know, anywhere into town, and you see people with the earphones on or whatever. Uh, it's like, whatever happened to just kind of like letting the sound around you just be your familiar zone? We have to put in all this artificial stuff. Uh, we have to uh, cloud out the reality around us. Uh, we have to kind of like uh, avoid the eye contact. Now, maybe that's, you know, a little bit of an extreme, but you know, I, I even see that enter into religious life uh, where you'll be at dinner and you know, mention something, and you know, years ago you used to say, Well, I think it was like this, and then someone said, No, 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 it wasn't that, it was the other thing. Now they say they don't get into that argument, they pull out their, their cell phone because they're connected <laughs> to the Wi Fi, right? And, you know, <laughs> here is the answer. Well, whatever happened to kind of like discussion, <laughs> and so we don't get it right, but it's kind of called. You know, getting to know each other and, you know, challenging each other that way instead of right away coming up with the concrete facts. So it's very, very different. The I don't want to say the mentality because, you know, that's almost like a cliche. But there's a certain framing that yeah. uh, is different. Yeah, I mean it is a – it's a – you mentioned generational but it's really a cultural Shift society and, and culture today are in a very different place than they were ten years ago. Oh yeah, even and uh, that being said, yeah, it's a challenge, right, for the Catholic Church. How do we compete in that environment with our message? That being said, though, right, we can't compete. I mean, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter. Look at the Holy Father. You know, mm -hmm. um, he's one of the most popular Twitterers. You know, on the platform, he has more. You know more likes, et cetera, than just about anybody else. Again, you know, you, you have to back, – back to the Franciscan thing. You got to take people where they're at. While it might not be the most uh, opportune thing as far as, you know, people with their earphones on, kind of like in their own world, listening to whatever, it's also where they're at. And so you got to bring the good news to where they're at so that you can bring them to a different level. Uh, so you have to reach them where they're at. You have to reach them in, in images and words uh, without becoming too relative to the images and words. Yeah. Uh, they have to be, in a sense, filling but then leading them to another step. Um, you know, and I think th there's the challenge. You know, how do you, through the media, uh, no matter what the communication method is, whether it's radio, whether it's CDs, whether it's television, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or you know whatever it might be, you know how do we use those elements? How do we use those media technologies to give them a message that is beyond hopeful, that's informative, but that's it. 
giving them form and not just information. You know, kind of like, you know, again, they have a different frame they're working out of. Well, how can we redesign that frame so that they move beyond a limited horizon to where the frame can be very expandable? And there's, there's the challenge, you know, because what they get bombarded with uh, in a lot of the music and a lot of the stuff, because, you know, anyone who's taken a, a basic course on web pages, you know, they can put anything out there that looks good. And that's part of the problem. What's, again, what's the truth and what's not the truth? What's fake yeah. news and what's not fake news? Because they all look good. Yeah. They all sound good. They all like the, you know, what they're talking about. And in many ways, that's not much different from any other era. Because when it was the print media, you know, people were able to – once Gutenberg got going, you had all kinds of stuff being able to be printed that looked legit. Uh, before you had the printing press, you know, people had their certain philosophies and they would substantiate themselves by saying, I went to this school or I had this person that we people go, oh, you know, you know, you go back to the early church, Pelagian and, you know, Arian, you know. The media is going to change. But how do we influence the, the technology, whatever it might be, from oral, um, you know, oral presentation to technological imageries? You know, how do we put in there not just someone's ideas with their agenda, but again, the truth, uh, especially the truth of the gospel? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons that I always think that those, um, you know, and it, it's cool for me, even though I'm across the hall, those daily USCCB reflections, why they're so great and they're so important is that every day here is a chance to take the actual word of God, you know, people can look at the readings for the day and and someone like yourself can kind of frame that in the context of the world and make it relevant today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but again, the, the challenge comes in uh, is what is it that gives people – what gives them the incentive? What, you know, what is it that you have to put out to say, mm, I want to bite into that? Yeah. You know, uh, again, what uh, – it's like going th- into the – in one of the supermarkets and they have the people that say, want to try this, want to try this new hot dog or yeah. whatever it might be. How do you get people to sample and then develop a, a taste or say, hmm, I got to try this again or may I got to really buy the package? All right, well, buy it and try a package. You know, how do we do that? How do we get people you know, t- tantalized, if you will? Um, that is what our communication weekend is all about usually, like you know, trying to – Get the word out there, and and you know addressing those very things, you know, and uh, and you're right. I mean, uh, you know, there's always going to be a different medium. There's always a new platform, um, and the pattern tends to be the same. I think back uh, as you were giving your examples, I'm thinking of you know when cable access first happened. You know, it used to be you just had your network TV, then all of a sudden here's these cable access things and it seemed like everybody had a cable access show which was really the precursor to podcasting and, you know, video mm-hmm. internet channels and all that kind of thing. Um and you know, you'd ask, yeah, but is any of this really any good, you know? And like what's the, you know, where's the where's the meat and potatoes, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. Well, um Interestingly, though, um, you know, we say all those all those things change, but um, 
Our message doesn't, right? I mean, we have we we call it the good news, you know, as as Catholic Christians. We, you know, we feel we do have something to offer. As you, you know, as you kind of bounce around to the to the various ministries and the various things you're you're asked to do, are people still receptive to that? Good news, do you find? I think sometimes maybe they certainly need it maybe more than ever. You know, it's it's almost like our society is adolescent. When you're dealing with adolescents, they get to – when they're children, they're very receptive. They're very dependent on whatever mommy and daddy says. You always get your exceptions. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) You know, but you know, but when they get into adolescence, they tend to be rebellious. Uh, they know that they need something. Uh, they don't know what they need, but they're not wanting to listen to the generation that has gone through that phase of life. What do you know? You're not me. You know all that type of stuff. You, you know, like you were never a teenager. You never, you know, had you know the issues of a teenager wanting to be liked or sexuality or you know whatever it might be. Um, and so. But what happens, you get some teenagers that are able to grow through that, but other teenagers that become you know, very kind of like locked into that and stubborn and resistant. And you know, there's where it leads into other type of issues. Um, so you know, and it seems that our society, our culture uh, has been – is in an adolescent phase but that is kind of like becoming just so resistant uh, to the wisdom of a previous generation or of things that have been proven tried and true. Uh, and I think part of that is because there – we don't know how uh, – well, let me put it this way. While there's the, the cliche, people don't like change, uh, well, I don't th- – I think people, you know, don't like to be um, reprogrammed. Uh, because they're afraid. Uh, they're afraid of making the mistake. I, I'm here now. It might make me miserable, but I'm better being miserable. But I don't want to admit I'm being miserable, so I'm just going to be resistant. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make logical right. sense. But that's kind of like the the extreme rebellious teenager. And that's almost like the extreme rebellious society that we're at. Uh, how do we tell them about the good news? How do we get them to Put down the barrier. Yeah, that's uh, you know, that's a good question. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm guessing we're probably not going to answer that today on oh, this no. program, anyway. But uh, you know, uh, we keep trying. We certainly thank you for all your great work, and uh, you know, um, not just with our office of communications, but in terms of you know, helping train those the next generation of of ministers in our diocese and working in our parishes and uh, thank you for agreeing to be part of our Catholic communication campaign this year. Well, thank you for asking me. You know, I'm happy to be here. Uh, Father Jim Vacco, he is the pastor of St. Bonaventure Parish in Allegheny and adjunct faculty member currently of uh, Christ the King Seminary as well and our honorary chairperson for the Catholic Communication 
election campaign this year. Uh, you know, I, I, I wish we could spend another half hour uh, solving the problems of the world and unfortunately we cannot. Instead, I will uh, just say thank you once again to all of you for uh, both listening to this program or if the podcast if you, if you download it that way uh, and for supporting our Catholic communication campaign. Next weekend is communication weekend in the Diocese of Buffalo and we thank you for your generosity for the collection in the parish next weekend. As always, if you go to wnycatholic.org slash radio, the namesake of this program, you'll find all of our podcasts there or buffalodiocese.org slash radio as well. We'll take you to the same place. I'm Greg Prince. We'll be back with you next week. You've been listening to Western New York Catholic Weekly, produced by the Office of Communications for the Catholic Diocese of Buffalo, with the help of the Catholic Communication Campaign and this radio station. Call us at 847-8744 or send us an email to radio at buffalodiocese.org. 